the heavy hole. I'm Tom. I'm Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. Introduce yourself this time, sir. You earned it. Yeah, what's up, man? I'm Justin. How you doing, guys? (laughs) Hey, Justin. (laughs) Yeah, and we're going to have a very special call-in guest coming up because tonight's episode is the gore episode. We're going to do, we're going to talk about all album artwork that has real gore in it. Detective crime scene photos, autopsy photos, uh, yeah. medical school photos, all that crazy stuff that people throw in album covers. We're going we're gonna to hash it out, and um, our guest is going to be none other than Adam Rotella of Anal Birth, the infamous creator of the genre known as Gore Noise. He's going to be joining us in a little while to answer some questions. He's going to be a featured guest expert on the topic tonight, but we're going to try to get him back in the future, too. So uh, all that coming up, guys. So just to crack the ice a little bit here. Um, I want to let our listeners know that... We're only doing pictures, actual photographs, digital or film, doesn't matter. We're not talking about uh, your cannibal corpse, your cranium covers. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to clear that up because real life is, it's rough, you know? It's, yeah, it's, uh, the well, um, there was that, uh, here's a Long Island reference too, man. Famous propane album, uh, the, the the Truth Hurts, isn't that, wasn't that the album? I don't know, to be honest. Propane, uh, The Truth Hurts, yeah, and they had, uh, they had real gore. They had some real disgusting, disturbing imagery on that album um, that I remember. Yeah, Propane was a um, still is a, lo- uh, a Long Island, New York City based band uh, with some members that were in the Crumb Suckers, old school hardcore band. And yeah, they they did put out that album in the early '90s. It was uh, censored. It had some real gore. It had, but it was uh, the Truth Hurts. That was the name of the album. So maybe that would be a good. Uh, maybe we could like kind of sublet that name for this episode. Even yeah, there mm. you go. Propane. The Truth Hurts. He just punched it up. That might even be the censored photo, man. Maybe I'm seeing it wrong. It looks like a pile of bones. Yeah, there's there's some other stuff. I remember because I was probably in seventh or eighth grade when that came out, and a friend of mine um, was able to procure that, even though he was also underage from the Wall. If you remember that store in Walt Whitman Mall, the Wall. And uh, he had that that little sticker that said the wall lifetime guarantee, and then you could peel the sticker off and put it on another tape and get a copy of your other tape. A little scam you could run. Yeah, there you go. Now he's got the <laughs> he's got the um, somewhat censored propane. The truth hurts with the autopsy photo, and there's some other imagery when you won, when you look through the layout of the CD. Man, they really went there on that, and that was I imagine only a few years after Carcass went there. Um, but for propane, it was like really mm. putting it in your face because they were more of a social political type mm. of band. Um, you know, well, it's the same thing that Twitter does to you when you uh, you're scrolling up and down. You're looking at your favorite athletes and artists talking about stuff and shitty personalities, and all of a sudden there's a dead Yemenese child on there, and you go, "Oh, yeah, this is messed yeah. up on a, on a couple of levels." Like it's definitely an, a, a post autopsy photo. You can tell the stitching from that mm-hmm. Y incision kind of mm-hmm. thing, but it looks like this this woman's been staged to be in some sort of sexual pose. She looks like she's like uh, modeling a little bit over here. Could be, man. It's, uh, it's you know, got, it's layers to, to. Could be. I don't know, man. I I don't know the history or, or whatever, man. It was um, whatever it was. It was released. I don't. I I couldn't tell you the label. I'd imagine maybe it was like on a on a Roadrunner Records or or one of those labels, man. But um, you know, it was a fairly big release. So that whatever the the pictures are must have been legit and and been uh, you know. Now we knew we were going to do this topic, so I'm just throwing this out there. I'm not really into this gore stuff. Mm. Not, yeah, uh, not a fan. I'm not going to say people shouldn't do it, but I like, you know, I thought Jumanji was scary growing <laughs> up, you know? Yeah. So that's where I'm coming from. Uh, I listen to scary music, but uh, that's just the sounds. You know, I can filter I, that out. I, uh, on the other hand, from you two gentlemen, I have a very complicated, a long complicated relationship with uh, the gore imagery, the real gore imagery um, in, in death metal and gore grind and noise gore. And we're going to get my, as I mentioned before, my friend Adam on the phone, and he is a... Um, 
a proprietor of the gore imagery. You know, he uses that to express himself. So we're gonna, at least we're going to give you a well-rounded discussion on it tonight. Yeah. Um, Multiple opinions. Yeah. That's how you do it. I, it's off-putting, man, and it can even seem disrespectful. And, um, I, you know, I don't know. That's the part of it that's disturbing. But I'm glad that that propane album came up in conversation, too, man, because the, that just calling it the truth hurts. I mean, I, not to uh, be redundant, but it is the truth, man. It, it, is, it is truthful. And... Before, when I was kind of going a mile a minute, and you pumped the brakes on me there, man. The last thing I said, um, what, what? No, I was, I was a little excited. You let me off the leash, man. You said we're, we're recording. The heavy hole runs deep, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ran right out the hole. But what I said was, some of these bands are political, and what I was getting at was that um, some bands might use uh, photographs from a specific instance, um, a specific war, a specific battle, or something, you know, to 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 convey their point that this is the reality of war, because there is something to be said for people that say that that, that uh, maybe people aren't paying attention to what's really going on in the world out there, so you got to shock them into paying attention, you know? So there are bands that are trying to use it to that that kind of political bent, you know, and saying, look, at this is what's going on. This is what policies are doing someplace. This is what's going on as, as a result of this, you know what I mean? Of course. So there, there, is, there are bands that use it, and I think maybe that's what Propane was trying to say, was look at what's going on right in, in New York City. Look what's going on right in, in uh, the United States. You know, we have uh, homeless people passing out in the street dying. We have uh, drugs. We have, you know, you know we have a lot of situations. So, so the, the real gore, to, to, to call it gore, or the, the autopsy photos and things like that, it's not always necessarily like a fetish or something like that or, or something kind of perverse, you know? Well, look at uh, even in a more mainstream sort of example is the self-titled Rage Against the Machine album. We got the monk. Yeah, set on fire, oh, right? wow. you know, that, that could be that. That was definitely political. What's funny is I never even mm. thought of that as kind of gore right. or, or or boxed it in with a lot of this type of stuff that we're talking about. But you're absolutely right. That's an image of a guy setting himself on fire. But because it's so political, and Rage Against the Machine was that type of band, it, it kind of flew. And that image was uh, it was everywhere. People were in t-shirts of oh, yeah. it, and yeah. You're right, man. That's a good point. I never thought of that. Immolation shit. When you when you see that, it's really hard to wrap your head around, mm. as opposed to seeing someone who just got like their head chopped off sure, or something yeah. like that. Where like the imagery behind someone on fire is a, it's more symbolic. B, it's more removed from something that we can just stare at. Because typically with fire, you have movement and stuff, so it's abstract almost. Like when you yeah, capture yeah. fire like that, so it's easier to digest than than some of the other gory shit out there. Yeah, especially because the monk was kind of sitting there. If I remember the image correctly, he was kind of sitting there in like a peaceful protest pose, mm -hmm. which is, you know, anyone else who's on fire, normally there would be kind of like, if, if it was a guy running down the street or somebody with a look of horror on their face, that would be maybe more disturbing and visceral to people. So maybe that made it a little easier to separate from reality what, what it's a picture of for people. But yeah, that's... And it does say the political thing. Like, it's yeah. that's not removed. It, kind of like uh, another one that comes to mind <clears throat> is that nail bomb album. Yes, you know what yeah, that was yeah. that the Cambodian woman with the the gun to her head and it's like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah I do remember that and it's like it's a different type of violence you know yeah if it's if it's political you know yeah that's what I mean if there's kind of a social political message then it's it's a little bit easier to um to digest maybe or to at least understand where the artist is coming from but admittedly then there are those people that are just doing things that are for shock value things that are like really perverse and grotesque or uh, in in bad taste for shock value or 
Uh, I, I don't know, just to express some dark part of their own of their own self artistically. I don't know, man, and that's part that's part of it. And and like I was telling you guys um, the other day, it was really pre- prevalent. I, I believe maybe it's just what I've been dipping in and out of in the scene, but it was really a lot more prevalent in the in the '90s, in the mid '90s when I first got into this stuff. Carcass was still a relatively new phenomenon. They they were. Um, you know, they, they put all those crazy autopsy collage photos on their albums and, you know, it got banned certain places and they had to, you know, redo the covers. And then when I was getting into everything, all of a sudden you had bands like Regurgitate, Dead Infection, Squash Bowels, uh, Gut, and I mean, so I could go on for hours and Adam was uh, making me tapes of these bands and a lot, all these bands for the most part were using some sort of real gore or real, you know, pornographic imagery, something crazy. And my theory is that maybe with the, the internet and, um, first of all, I, I think things got played out and there's only so many, a lot of these photos sometimes you'll see on two or three different <clears throat> album covers over the years. They, they become kind of infamous. And then also with the internet, um, you know, Rotten Dot com mm-hmm. back yeah. in the day if you guys remember rotten.com or um uh, you know there was well there was a few others but that's the one that really stuck out to me is like the first one when i was in high school and you know, yeah. growing up that people could get but now it's that you can get that stuff everywhere you can see all sorts of crazy people getting beheaded and tortured on the internet and it's almost it's almost normal nowadays man it's movies like saw or whatever well you know? it goes from uh it goes from shocking from when it when it's first introduced to to kind of cliche and and and, and the shock is gone you know the, the novelty of it wears off and yeah now it's just kind of like what's wrong with you <laughs> yeah that's true and it also comes across as more childish too it really depends on where you're coming from, but uh, I, I've always kind of looked at it personally. Like, if I see something real gross, it seems a touch childish. And not yeah. to say people shouldn't be childish, but, you know, it's, it's a heavier topic to deal with, you know? Well, that that's, I think, an, that's another thing that happened, too, because for a while it was this very kind of obscure, insular, uh, underground shoot-off of death metal and grindcore, you know? it was, And then all of a sudden... Uh, Right around the turn of you know ninety nine two thousand, I I also I hate I don't want to blame the internet and technology for everything, but all of a sudden anybody with a computer had Fruity Loops and different programs, and everybody was a one man drum machine band. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. I I remember a time where that was a novelty. There was you know Mortician was the big one obviously, and there was a few others. There was like Dismenoric Hemorrhage. Slow from or slough, however you pronounce it, from Illinois. The catasexual urge motivation from Japan, but the or or libido airbag was a whole other thing. But um, they were they had an individual sound. Each one had their own identity, and then all of a sudden now there's just thousands of bands that are just drum machine gore grind bands with 50 million songs, and it's it, there. It is kind of childish, like you say, man, because it's like this. It's like just throw any kind of shocking thing at the at the wall and see what happens. You know what I mean? And it's yeah, it's it's not meant to be. Um, digested in any in any kind of way whereas uh like when it first started and, and, and again talking about my buddy adam when he did this project anal birth in the 90s what how, how i explain it to people in terms of the audio sensation you're getting from it is one of his main inspirations i think um if i remember him saying this correctly was uh anal cunt the band mm-hmm. only when you hear anal cunt they do what's the guitar <laughs> and then blast beats and the guy's screaming it's just noise core total noise yeah but what adam did was he stripped the sense of humor out of it and he took that um, that base level primitive noise, and he made it all about the most disturbing, shocking, dark aesthetic you could possibly put on it. Mm. Almost like a serial killer, crazy vibe, you know, man. Like something more disturbing than Cannibal Corpse. You know, he tried to push it there, and um, dead babies, man. You know, and and childish is not the word I would put on it. Primitive, uh, brutal, 
even in poor taste, uh, but I think that's what he was going for in an in a artistic way. Intentional you know I mean? bad taste. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, I'm yeah, guilty man. of doing some of that. But sure. Definitely yeah. not just like this kindergarten humor grind that you see a lot <laughs> nowadays where they got... You know, where it's just very cartoony and over the top trying to be Looney Tunes, you know, like porno grind style. You know what I mean? Like, right. And that's something that I think is lost in a lot of gore grind and stuff that I see nowadays is everyone wants to be the silly gore grind band, mm. you know? And there, and there's something that's lost in that because when you're the, the kind of serious, shadowy, creepy gore grind band, it, it gives a little more power to the music and the mood and the aesthetic and the atmosphere. When you're the silly, let's blow up sex dolls and throw them in the mosh pit gore grind band, mm-hmm. to me, that's a little played out, man, you know, because it's like, you know, what are you doing? You know, I don't know. True. I mean, you got to go, if you're going to do it, you got to do 100%, just like that band Pink Mass. Well, you good know? point. You know, Pink Mass did it. I mean, they were masters of it. Uh, to be honest, man, if anybody has, has, has disturbed me without using real gore, it was Pink Mass. I mean, their live show was, you know, that that whole bondage, crazy, weird thing they got going on. It, it's, yeah, disturbing. Shock value creeps people out. Yeah. And, and there's people that would say, oh, that's childish. I don't look at them as childish. I look at them as, like, really eccentric artists, man. They, you know, they set out to do something, they do it. No, know? they're having fun, seriously. But, yeah. you know, they do a good yeah. job of, like, you go to their show, and it's uh, exhilarating, and it's it's funny, and it leaves you kind of on the edge of your seat. You might get a little hard, but at the end of the day, you you just saw a really cool metal show. Yeah, man. And, and their own it yeah completely thank you yeah you're right that's what i mean because if it was just like you know a couple of like typical and i could say this because i'm a long island dude but it was just a couple of like typical long island bro guys you know from the bars here in huntington and they were just up you know up there on stage like in some bondage gear like laughing at each other you know what i mean you wouldn't buy it you know what i mean yeah but these Mm -hmm. guys you know they sold it you know what i mean man you can't you know they they weren't they believed in themselves you know they you know it was it was a I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to find the right words, but it was it wasn't childish, man. You know, yeah, it was it, performance art. You know, mm-hmm. well, sometimes when you're uh, in in like writing or uh, in artwork, when you're trying to do something that's considered less than, like we were saying, intentional bad taste, it's almost harder to do that. You can see right through someone who doesn't know how to do shit. Mm-hmm. Like another analogy that I like to use, like I hate modern art, like so fucking much. Huh. Uh, Jackson Pollock is a nightmare to me, and. One of the reasons I hate him so much is that he couldn't draw. Now, if you look at someone like Picasso, who did the cubism, and that was very strange for its time, Picasso knew what he was doing. He could draw like a motherfucker and then decided to do what he wanted to do. So he understood his craft as opposed to Jackson Pollock. And I think that's like, you know, like how how much do you understand about the noise that you're making? Yeah. Are you doing it tastefully? If it's not tasteful, why? Mm-hmm. I can agree, man. I can agree. I, I actually, I really like that analogy, too, because the type the type of, um, uh, like, when I think of noise gore, right, this, uh, this, this obscure genre that my buddy created, I, I liken it more to, like, uh, the, like, power electronics, like, I don't know, if, like, 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 uh, white, what, what's the band, White House, Taint. Nurse with wounds, uh, Merzbau's like the really big one, man. A lot of those smell and quim. There's, there was all these. I, I, I used to be a lot more knowledgeable of that scene in the '90s, but really, um, I honestly don't know anything of what you just said. Har- <laughs> we, we should get somebody and, and do an episode on that. But it's like harsh power electronics is a word that is a term they use to describe it, and it's it's just noise. It's experimental noise. There's not. There's usually not a rhythmic component or, or you know a, a conventional instrumentation to it. It's just noise. 
and um, you know, with old experimental uh, ways to get that noise. And I like and a lot and a lot of these bands that I just mentioned uh, have really extreme um, aesthetic, lyric, you know, uh, artwork. Some of them went went crazy, you know, went a little over the top, man, and um, with like por pornographic type stuff, but. They, like it or not, there's an artistic component there to what they were doing. Mm. You know what I mean? It was from a very dark, kind of like brooding uh, place of uh, artistic perversion. And I liken noise gore more to that. I, I when when it's clowny and cartoony, like something, you know, I I, I saw something online. It's almost like like uh, noise gore, gore noise, whatever it would be, became like a meme. You know what I mean? And I say if you're doing it to be ironic and silly, you're not doing it right. Gore noise and noise gore and whatever it comes from. A, you know, I saw where it was born. You know, I I see where it comes from. I I know the guy who created it, man. We're gonna get him on the line in a few minutes, and it's um it's deeper than just like toilet humor. You know yeah. what I mean, man, and um, and that that's all, man. So it's like I said, I I have a, I have an adverse reaction to seeing some of this imagery myself, man. I understand it's very uh, off putting, you know, and there's some stuff I don't even like to look at in my own collection, um, but I do think that there are people who who deserve uh, artistic credibility who use imagery like that, you know, on a case by case basis. When you look at some of these artists, you gotta say, what are they? What, how does it reflect on their lyrics and yeah. their music? Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, as someone who doesn't really like that myself, um, uh, how did you use it? I mean, I even thought, uh, like, what was that? That that bootleg uh, Mayhem album where they had the oh, picture yeah, of yeah. Uh, Dead right there. Like, I was, it, it's a pretty cool shot. It's it's disgusting and it's jarring, but yeah. it's like whoever whoever did the layout knew what they were doing too. You know? Yeah, that's another thing. Is um, that's that's gore imagery. You know, gore imagery on an album cover with a, a member of the band. I, I don't know of any other instance in history where a band did that. I, I think you're 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 spot on though. It's uh, you know, coming from a from a sort of design perspective. You know, use use whatever imagery you like, but where, where'd you lay the text out? You know, how, right? How yeah. how legible yeah. is uh, is your logo mm -hmm. and uh, what's the name of the album? I'd like to see that you know placed very nicely uh, in whatever sort of mess of blood and guts you have and wherever you're your jaw or teeth might be on the body you know yeah man and i mean the same could almost be said for um bands that use uh, uh painted paintings or you know digital illustrations of gore gory scenes and things there's so, sometimes it can get redundant um sometimes it's done brilliantly you know what i mean absolutely we were talking about uh going going deep into a a, a more traditional album art uh some later episode yeah we yeah we uh when I, when me and Justin were hanging out over the weekend, we were talking about this episode, and we were, we definitely would like to do one in the future where we, where we uh, talk about some of the better uh, artists out there. Oh who, yeah, who have put yeah. together some really great shit. I, yeah, I'd love to be part of that, man. Um, I mean, you know, once we get, yeah, once I'll, we get I'll, out of, the, I'll call you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's nice to know you guys hang out without me, man. You know, <laughs> stuck but, in the uh, hole. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I I mean, it's like I said, it's very complicated to me. I feel there's some people where in context it works and it's respectable, and then but the the component, the thing that's always been in the back of my mind too is who are these people in these pictures that were killed or whose pictures were taken when they were dead, and um, were put on album and demo covers. Um, is it disrespectful? It could definitely be be taken as disrespect. If I, I wouldn't want it to be one of my family members or something like that. There's a huge morality question. Yeah, in, there is yeah. more so there than uh, than like a niche, like uh, you know, yeah, gore mm -hmm. noise uh, sort of sort of uh, community or genre. You know, um, you know, think, thinking about that, that you're putting that imagery out there, and maybe uh, some people don't 
Yeah, maybe it's yeah. personal to somebody. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, yeah. The, the only, like, hopefully most of these pictures were procured uh, legally uh, for these album covers and things like that. So they were already in the public domain somehow in a published book or in medical records or something like that. I know that doesn't mean that you could just slap your band's logo on them and put them on an album cover and say it's all good. There's definitely a morality question there. I, I don't know, man. And that's the question. And um, these albums are out there. And uh, a, a lot of them are classic albums. I have some of them framed on my wall. I have T-shirts uh, with imagery from some of them. And it's part of the scene, man. So it's it's a good question. I think um, right about now, we're going to try to see if we can get uh, Adam Rotella on the line. Uh, infamous uh, noise gore legend, right? Yeah, I'm excited. I want to hear what he has to say about this stuff. All right. Yeah, we set it up for him. Let's see what he's got. Uh, so we got some questions for him and some, some, uh, some input from him would be nice on this topic. Hell yeah. So tonight, as I said, our special guest, Adam Rotella of uh, Anal Birth and many other projects and the infamous creator um, of the genre known as Noise Gore. What's up, Adam? You there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. How you doing, Adam? Thanks for joining us. Not no problem. Good to be here. So we, we've been discussing uh, tonight um, the use of real gore, like autopsy photos, crime scene photos, uh, and all that type of stuff, um, photographs on album covers and demo covers, um, all the stuff that you and me know a lot about. Uh, that, you, that the type of gore grind you got me into back in the day. We've been talking about that and the the different uh, feelings people might have about using that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, we used plenty of it back in the day. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, what was uh, what was the main? There was one book, like the Homicide Detective book. What was that called? That was uh, Death Scenes. Death Scenes. Yeah, I remember that book very well. Yeah, I bought that from Tower Records, and all the the covers I made, I cut. I actually cut out of that book. I, I had to throw that book away because I cut all the pictures out of it. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah, well, I I guess just jumping in, I had a few questions I wanted to ask you. Um, what attracts you or attracted you in the first place to like using real gore uh, in your own uh, albums and demos? It probably started with uh, watching documentaries like Faces of Death and then eventually Traces of Death that had all real gore stuff. And then, well, like that book, that book we were talking about, death scenes. I just came across that in Tower Records one day. Was that the first time you ever saw like like real gore in the uh, you know in in print? No, like all the old extreme scene bands like Slough and Morg Fetus and all them were were doing that first. Yeah, well that that was a question I wanted to ask you too. Um, you're the expert. Who do you think was the first band to use a real gore photograph? I was thinking maybe it was Carcass, but I don't know. You could be right, but I've heard things about where even uh, even like mainstream, like early rock bands were, were kind of using it. Maybe not as extreme as 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 Carcass eventually did, but yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I can't think of a specific example, but I think other bands have used it too. But yeah, Carcass just went all out with the with the collage. They just huh. made the whole collage of just like human butchery, all all real life stuff. Yeah, and and I was saying before, I think after they did that, a lot of other people caught on and started doing it. And then a few years later, you started to see like that scene with regurgitate and dead infection and squash bowels and those bands. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely, yeah, definitely Carcass started that. Yeah, and um, and I'm you know I mentioned before that you're 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 infamous for uh, for noise gore, the genre noise gore, and um, your your old project Anal Birth. Yeah, I just I just took it to the most extreme levels I could, not only with the with the sounds, but with with, with the images too. So what? Like what? I, I I use a lot of that real gore stuff. 
I used uh, pictures, just the most extreme names and, and images I could possibly come up with. Yeah, and what was what was the first uh, anal birth release? What what year was that? That was uh, 1996. It was the infant butchering demo. Yeah, 96, right? And back yeah. then, I don't think there was there was people doing noise core and stuff like. Uh, but there was there wasn't anybody doing like the noise gore with the trademark pitch shifter vocals and the extreme shocking imagery, right? I, I thought, but I found out not too long ago there was a band from Brazil called Barbus. Uh huh. That they actually, as far as I know, they were actually the first to combine like Lord Ryan and noise core, but it was. It didn't sound like Engelbert, though. It was different. It was like more like, it was more like primitive South American noise core with like, with gore vocals. It's it's hard it's hard to explain, but like, the drums were barely audible. There was a drum machine, I think, but you could barely hear it. So all you really could hear was just a scratchy guitar and uh, pitch shifter vocals, really. And and do you know if the, in their artwork they used real gore pictures or like uh, or you know illustrations? I think they use real gore. They okay. had gore titles, but their their demo names were stupid. Like their <laughs> first demo was called "Beardless Heart." It, it was in <laughs> Spanish, but it, it translated to "Beardless Heart." And then they had a second demo called "Who Fart." Ah, uh, all right, okay. Well, see, that's but see, that's something we were talking about too before. And when I try to describe to somebody what anal birth sounds like, I say it's kind of like uh, anal cunt, but minus the sense of humor. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, mixed with dead infection, last days humanity, like gore grind. Yeah, like more of a gore grind influence than like the punk hardcore influence that Anal Cunt had. But that just that 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 shush, shush, you know, wall of noise uh, kind of thing, man. But without the sense of humor, because a lot of and I think now it, you know, when when the drum one man drum machine bands exploded. Uh, after the 90s and you had this influx where nowadays we're kind of saturated with gore grind and noise gore bands a lot of them have a sense of humor and to me I, I, it, it cheapens it a little bit when it's like that toilet humor sense of humor stuff right or, or do you do you disagree well I don't mind the humor it's just when I, when I did it I was just you know I, I was Mr. Serious about it I wanted to just be like just serious gory and nasty that's all yeah yeah have, we we mentioned before that na that uh, mayhem mayhem from uh, Norway that release where they had um, their old singer dead uh, on on the album cover after he shot himself in the head. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, I think yeah, Euronymous took that picture, right? Yeah, yeah. He found, um, his, yeah, he fa he found his best friend dead. And, you know, his best friend dead was uh, just committed suicide, and he was like, "Should I call the cops or should I just take? You know what? This will make a good album cover. Maybe I'll wait on the cops." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. So he infamously uh, did what he did and, and put that out. But besides that, do you know of any instance of a band making their own gore for for a release? I figure if there's anyone to ask, it would be you. Of a band like you know an actual crime scene that a bandmate was involved in, or they they took a real picture of something. That, is there any instance where a band had real life gore that they you know firsthand uh, created or were part of that they used? I don't know about crime scene, but. You know the band Fornicator? Yes, yeah. Yeah, the the demo I got, uh -huh. it, had, it had an old picture, because he, he used to like to cut himself, so... Uh-oh. The, the cover of the demo I have is just a picture, a close-up of him with, like, cuts all over his body that he just made. Fornicator, yeah. Hmm. Okay, man. 
Kind of like Gigi I, Allen style. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, yeah. Where does Gigi Allen fit into all this? You know, I mean, he he was making himself kind of like the the gore. You know. Oh yeah, he was just like cutting himself, bashing himself. You know, he he was throwing shit at people like and stuff like that. He was yeah, but he yeah he liked to cut himself. He liked to bludgeon himself with the microphone pretty much. <laughs> he was in constant pain from from all the bludgeoning to his head. He was every show he was bleeding. So do you yeah, think part? Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was, I was done. I was just gonna say, do you think part of that Gigi Allen attitude and that anal cunt attitude of just fuck everybody and offend everybody is that part of uh, noise gore in a, in a way? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, a little bit of the attitude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a more of a gore grind, death metal uh, mindset. Because even like fornicator, like I was talking about, like. They were straight up death metal, but they were heavily influenced by G.G. Allen. They even did a G.G. Allen cover. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of uh, crossover in, in uh, those two scenes, I think. And yeah, Seth Manelcunt was, was good friends with G.G. Allen, supposedly. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> that sounds like a fun party. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, and on, on the last G.G. album, there, there's a song called Anal Cunt, but that was supposedly... They were friends at the time, but that was just supposedly just a coincidence. He just yeah. wanted to do a song called that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, great minds think alike. Heavy <laughs> um, so besides Gigi Allen and we're talking about crazy people, you were doing a lot of tape trading and, um, you know, quote unquote snail mail uh, scene stuff way back in, in the early 90s. Uh with this type of music, I mean, you were always on the fringes. You were always finding, like, like we, talk, we talked about Slough before, and we were talking about catasexual urge motivation. What, what were some of the, the the more strange people that you were in touch with back then who were who were into this type of thing? Yeah, definitely Rick Diamond from Slough comes to mind. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 and if, if anyone wants to, to look up Slough, that's that's some real um, uh, crazy artwork and, and, and lyrics and stuff. What, what about him? He was He was just... He was a crazy dude. I mean, he was a really good dude, but he was really obsessed with serial murder, and uh, his lyrics were like really personal to him. I don't, I don't, it, they were just really, they're really more on the psychological stuff. I was just more like you know like cut slash stab, but like he was like really really into it, like very obsessed <laughs> with serial murder. He he. It seems like he had planned things out a little bit more than you. <laughs> Yeah, he, I remember him telling me that if I if he didn't do music, he probably would be murdering people. Whew. Wow! Well, thank God for music. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. that's that. He was also involved in uh, Morgue Fetus, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's one of my favorite demos still. Yeah, no, yeah. There's a, a lot of a lot of uh, quality uh, noise pre noise gore gore grind. That's what I would call that. Wow. All yeah. right. Um, well, I, let's see. What, what I have a few more questions I wanted to get through with you, man. Um, now. We, we covered, like, what attracts you to the gore and what you're trying to express. It's ba I mean, is it fair to say it's basically just kind of shock value, uh, like like uh, balls-to-the-wall shock value? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, especially with animal birth, too, because I, I loved all the hate mail I get. I mean, I didn't get it directly, but I, I heard of people saying, like, how how could you, like, put put an ad for that filth in your magazine? And this is an underground death metal magazine they were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, so you're in an underground death metal magazine, and people are saying that you're too shocking and extreme, kind of. And that's the great thing that uh, you know Ace from Dismembered Fetus that passed away. 
Yeah, R.I.P. to Ace. Ace is the king. Yeah, the king. The king called me himself to congratulate me on that hate mail, too. That was great, because he loved hate mail more than anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dismembered Fetus and uh, Festering Puke, two two bands that, that people can go back and look up from, from Ace, yeah, man, R.I.P. Definitely also a big influence. That that whole scene with uh, Festering Puke and Dismembered Fetus, I love them bands. Yeah, man, I, I couldn't imagine them coming back in this day and age. That would be some wild shit. Yeah. Um. So... Now here's here's the tough question. What do you think uh, an opposing viewpoint um, to to you and me who who uh, who, who kind of like are trying to understand this gore stuff on a deeper level, and you're who using it to express it, to express yourself is people who don't like it and and find it offensive and and disrespectful. And um, what about like the the real life people that are in these photographs? And their families and and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, I, I assume at some point maybe you thought about that. Like, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it did cross my mind once in a while, but I basically I don't. There are people that have no problem disrespecting the dead. I don't disrespect. It's more like a document to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, it's, we were, it's more like a, it's more like a shockumentary put to noise, music, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, when you talk about the faces of death and traces of death movies, for people who don't know, do you want to just give a short description of what those are? All the shockumentaries? Yes. Well, the first one I saw was Faces of Death that a lot of people know of. Like, it's known for having mostly fake footage, but it's a good gore movie. But it does have some, like, authentically real footage. It's just a lot of fake stuff. And then you have, it moved on to like what they call real doc, real shockumentaries, like Traces of Death that has 100% all all real death and murder and all that stuff. Uh, and it's different, like news footage and footage from uh, around the world, different all different types of situations, right? Yeah, just all kinds of stuff they can get that was 100% authentic. Yeah, so uh, so with that being out there, you're, you're, you're just kind of maybe doing like a soundtrack or a musical version of, of that is what you're saying. Yeah, basically. I mean, except with, with Anal Birth was just, just straight up, just straight up shock. Just say <laughs> yeah. if, if I if I can come up with a title that like made me say that's fucked up, then I, I, I that's what I wanted. Yeah, so so I definitely I'm I'm st- it's funny because I've I've known you a very long for people who don't know I've known Adam a very long time I credit him with getting me into all this underground death metal and grindcore and stuff and I never even realized that that Gigi Allen kind of punk rock connection to to anal birth um that attitude of just offending people. Uh, and speaking of that, um, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you is, you you know, you pushed it to the point where people were offended by what you were putting in, in death metal magazines, and you pushed the shock value that far. And I, I was saying, I think that using these pictures and this sound, it's kind of an eventuality of just pushing death metal to be more brutal and more brutal and more brutal. You know, first you get... Uh, Black Sabbath, then you get Slayer, then you get Cannibal Corpse, then you get Carcass, then down the line you get Anal Birth. That being that being said, in my opinion, where do you see it going? How how could this possibly get more extreme? Well, I don't know if you know about uh, Harsh Noise Wall. It's 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 a, it's a it's a version of Harsh Noise. It's basically you know how regular Harsh Noise has like you know little loops and stuff like that, like to break it up. Yeah, I was I was talking before about bands like uh, or group, you know artists like Mersbau and Taint and White House and um, uh, Throbbing Gristle and things like that. Yeah, there's there's this whole scene that came out from this this one artist who, who goes under Vamir, 
Like it's just like a straight up like static wall of noise for a certain amount of time, and it, it doesn't change. Wow! So it's almost like that stuff from the. Uh, speaking of shockumentaries, not that it's a shockumentary, but those um guinea pig movies where they they strap the headphones to the to the girl. So it's, it's almost like that. Yeah, basically. So it's like torture noise. Yeah, pretty much, and it's just it's straight and unchanging for however long they want the track to be. And this is kind of like an emerging scene that you're seeing come up now? Yeah, it kind of started in 2006. I mean, I, I didn't really know about it until a couple of years ago. This dude, Ron from Germany, who was into this stuff, like kind of schooled me on it. Because I didn't really, I, I'd, I'd heard of it before, but I never really got to hear it. And I heard this, this Vomir dude, and it was just, yeah, it was just crazy. It was just, one straight noise sound from beginning to end, and I saw live footage with the guy would just have a bag over his head, and he would just stand there while the noise is blasting for how long, <laughs> and then turn it off and walk off stage. And I'm sorry, what what was it called again? Vomir, V-O-M-I-R. Wow, I gotta check that out for my own curiosity. Wow, and what kind of um, uh, like imagery and, and does he use like shocking imagery or anything? What what's what kind of tip is he on with the artwork? It varies. It started with gore, because vomir is just French for vomit, pretty much. Okay. We learned something tonight. There you go. Well, Duolingo. And, yeah, the old releases have, like, gore pictures, and then some releases will just have, like, pictures of weird stuff. I guess it doesn't really matter to them. Yeah, yeah. Dif- different vibes for different releases. Wow, all right, man. I, I wasn't, um, that's, you learn something new every day. I didn't, I didn't realize I wasn't prepared for that answer, man. And people are actually like comparing Anelberg to it because even though mine's more like the noise core version, like a lot of my my tracks just sound the same. So, like people that were in the harsh noise wall that knew my stuff were kind of comparing the two. There's definitely a correlation between like uh, some of the stuff that came out of the breakcore scene, I guess, like over in uh, you know Netherlands and stuff. They they have those really heavy electronic stuff, and I know a lot of them have gore. I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking of any examples off the top of my mind. It's it's not necessarily metal. It's like its whole other form that's so close to uh, to, to what we're talking about. You know, I don't, I'm, are you familiar with any of that stuff? A little bit. I know that uh, Mark, who was the drummer for Last Days of Humanity, like he, he's really involved in that scene. Like he's into breakcore, gabber, and all that stuff. I'm not. I've heard some of it. I'm not really familiar, but I I, I know roughly what like what the sound is. I, I I imagine maybe in in Europe and other parts of the world, there's more spillover between that type of music and metal and grindcore. I could see that. Wow! But just but for anyone listening, by the way, that's the dog in the background. That's not my heavy breathing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, well, moving along, man. If uh, if you if you got nothing else you want to tell us about, like like to plug any projects or anything, we wanted to uh, transition into the part of our show where we talk about new albums and old albums and try to turn people onto some different music. Yeah, let's go to the albums. That sounds All good. Right. I, I was gonna let Adam go uh, go first tonight since he's the guest. Do you want to tell us what your new uh, release was, and we're gonna punch it up here so we could have it playing while while you're talking about it. All right, my my new album is uh, it just came out. It's uh, Bloodbath from Sweden. Uh, the album, uh, the Satan's arrow is, is drawn. Yeah, you were mentioning before we were rolling on this part, um, a little more history on it. You want to go into that for a sec? Oh yeah, the first album, Resurrection Through Carnage, had a that buzzsaw Swedish death metal sound. Yeah. And and for a while, they kind of got more into the melodic side of things. And mm-hmm. this this new album, this new album is 
sounds more like it's back to how they they did sound. Yeah, it, it sounds very dark and maybe even a little um, kind of like black metal, uh, like doomy atmosphere going on in there in the guitars. Yeah, yeah, but they got they got that nice buzzsaw guitar sound going again, which I always like. Yeah, it's definitely penet. We we're, we're kind of listening to it very low in the headphones, and the guitars are really penetrating. Even still, man, with that tone. Yeah, it's got a bit of that like fuzz tone to it. And I'm loving this album cover too. Just the way they um, the way they box the art, and they have that black strip going down the right with the, or maybe that's just the um, the YouTube uh, 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 image. No, that's the actual album cover. No, right? the, yeah. layout, the layout's great. It's yeah. reminiscent of like a of a cassette like layout. If you took, uh, if you yeah. took the insert out and laid it out. You notice that, Adam? I don't know if you've seen the album cover, but it looks like it would fit on a cassette like perfectly. Yeah, I, yeah, I saw it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's kind of just suggestive. It's got the flies coming out of the cradle. That's crazy. It's your cr- uh, creepy, you know, religious imagery and the flies all over the uh, over the crib over there. It's- yeah. Yeah, this is cool, man. I definitely, I've been waiting for this, and um, i got to give it a proper listen, man. That's, that's awesome that you brought it up, man. We're going to... Um, we're gonna go around and give everybody else's uh, new album, and then we're gonna come back to you for your uh, your older pick, and uh, you can school us on your uh, whatever your older pick was. All right, man? Yeah, definitely. All right. So my new album for this week is Cranium Slam Kosis. You guys heard this? Ooh, no, I've not heard this. No, I'm not familiar with this one. I'm familiar with the band, but I haven't heard this. Slam Kosis, you said. Yeah, these guys do slam. So if anyone's caught Slam Kosis, it's them. Yep. So that's what that's what the band is called, Cranial Slam Kosis. No, it's uh, it, the band is Cranium, K R A A N I U M, like a cranium, cranium. Yeah. Yes. Where do you know where they're from? Yeah, they're a Norwegian band. Yeah. Tell by the two A's. Yes. If I'm not mistaken, this is the band where a member passed away uh, right around the same time as Bill Tolley. You're spot on. Just a few months before this came out, Martin Funderand, who was also the brother of the guitar player, Martin was the vocalist, he committed suicide. Mm. And uh, they got a new singer and they still put out this fucking killer slam album. Wow. Didn't man. really slow him down. Yeah. You know, very upsetting though. Yeah, it's yeah. sad, sad. But um, I, I also know that they just toured Europe with, um, I believe it was Pathology and Pyrexia. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they, I know the Pyrexia guys got along very well with them. They were saying they're good guys and all that, man. So this is cool, man. This is It's just slam. What do you want from it, bro? These guys are brutal. They got the vocals. <laughs> the, you know what I mean, man? They're doing it, man. You know? You can rob somebody to this, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you can just pull up on somebody butt bumping this shit, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, these are, this is, this is a band, um, I've been listening to them for a few years now, and I feel like they're just a pinnacle of slam. If I'm trying to point out a good slam band, I go to this one. Uh, I'm, I'm not heavy into the slam world, but I really dig this band. I'm sure there's another thousand bands that I like, but, you know, you gotta pick and choose when there's a billion fucking bands out there. Yeah, there's only one slam coasters right now. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, I don't know if it's, if it's maybe it's cranium. Cranium. It's cranium. Cra- uh, There's two well, A's there. Pretty sure it's cra- yeah, cranium. Yeah. Cranium. I love you. Uh, yeah. yeah and this. This album, I, I only give it one full spin through, uh, but I, I have been a fan of their first release, the 10 Acts of Sickening Perversity. A few months ago, I was spinning that like crazy. And uh, this pretty much stands true to that. You know, it didn't really change much. Just heavy fucking slam. Yeah, and we should add um, Slam Worldwide exclusive. Slam Worldwide in the house on this one. Yeah, you can find a lot of Slam. Yes, uh, Slam Worldwide. I was breaking those exclusives. Yeah, that's right. The YouTube channel. Looking for Slam? You go to Slam Worldwide. Mm-hmm. Justin, you got something for us? Yeah, I got a new uh, little new boy. Uh, this is uh, Blood Truth, and the album is Martyrium. All right. I'd say you start with the second track because it's a little, uh, little intro-y. A little intro-y. You got to have an intro. You must. It's also, if you're in a hurry, go to the second track of any death metal record. I, yeah, I do that a lot when I'm checking stuff out, man. You know? Oh, wow. It's... So... Keyboards and stuff. There's, there's not much I, I could say about this record that's not going to say for itself. Listen to it. It's, it, it's, this is as, uh, this is as solid of a technical death metal record like as you get. So uh, this is Blood Truth um, from Italy. Okay. Uh, they, this is their their second record on Unique uh, Unique Leader. Came out late 2008. 2008. 2018. What year is it? Yeah, 2000. Okay. Uh, late 2018. Um, yeah, man. Uh, this is. This is cool. This is, uh, you know, it's got everything from uh, just sludging uh, suffo type riffs, and uh, actually, what I like most about about this is uh, very techy on the guitar, a little psychropticy, if you will, in, in some parts. Oh, a lot of hammer-ons and hammer-offs. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Uh, a little uh, Anata, you know that band, like a little. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's got flashes of, of technicality, and it and it, and it drives and it's punishing, and um, I love it. Just found this band today. I'm soaking it in. So. Definitely sounds like it has that meat and potatoes kind of unique leader trademark production to it. For you know? sure, it fits right in on their on their roster. Uh, yeah, good stuff, man. I'll check this out. Fuck yeah, the unique leader puts out so much um, so much good music and has so many bands on their roster. It's hard to keep up sometimes. Absolutely. Haggis, H-A-G-G-U-S, with their uh, 2018 album, Plausibility of Putridity. And um, you might have to look and make sure, yeah, that's it. I picked, both albums I picked tonight have disgusting album covers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I should have warned you, Tom, I apologize. He just punched it up here on the computer. Is that that trench foot? 
It, it looks, it's some sort of foot. It's Dude, I, I saw a guy with a foot like that in Union Square the other day, so I'm, I'm used to it. Yeah, Adam, I don't know if you're familiar with this release by Haggis, uh, the, the album they put out this year, Plausibility of Putridity. I gotta hear it, because I've heard some of their songs, and I really like them. I, I know that name for a while, I never got to check them out. But when you send me those songs, like, yeah, they, they were definitely good. Yeah, this stuff is on point, man. I was looking for a proper gore grind release, but a modern one that I wasn't familiar with, and I found it. It reminds me of almost a mixture of Last Days of Humanity and Excruciating Terror. Uh, yeah. they, say, they, they say that they do mincecore. I don't know what that word means anymore. It used to mean Agathocles, but this is like way more brutal That's than Agathocles. How you make haggis. Yeah, there's yeah. a whole new subgenre now oh. of mince. Like they call it mincecore now, where it's like all these like dudes that like Agathocles are doing gore grind. I'm down. I like it. Uh, th this is, you know, it's great. It doesn't let up. And it's, like I said, it sounds a lot like Last Days of Humanity, but it's got that kind of crusty uh, catchiness to it, man. It's, you know, and, and um, they, they, they switch up the riffs a little bit every once in a while to have kind of that, like, excruciating terror, hardcore influence, man, crust influence, whatever you want to call it. I thought this was great. And it's tough to find it um, on a, a physical release. There was vinyl released on Morbid Reality Productions that sold out. I think there was a cassette. Uh, there was something released on Fuck Your Life Records. I don't know if you could find that, but they're, uh, they're t they're, it's tough to get a hold of. And um, they also, when I was looking this up, it's tough to even find online because they got so many releases. They're one of those gore grind bands that puts out a billion splits, I guess, because they're influenced yeah. by Agathocles. That's why, that's why I know that name so well, because I see it all over the place. Yeah, they, they are really getting their split game out there. And, I, you know, if you're influenced by Agathocles, they're obviously known Agathocles as the band. Adam, do you know if there's a running number, like how many splits, split EPs and releases Agathocles put out? I remember, I don't know the number, but even in the 90s, he was saying that uh, that they had more splits than, uh, than fucking Grateful Dead albums, including the live <laughs> and all the bootleg shit. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you go to Encyclopedia Metallum, they got a lot listed. I assume there's got to be a few things that fell through their cracks, and um, they weren't able to. So, yeah, but um, but but Haggis is, is going for the for for that uh that those kind of track records too, and trying to put out a lot of uh, releases. Three piece from Oakland, California, man. Haggis, plausibility of putridity. So with that being said, Adam, we're going to pass it back to you if you want to tell us about your uh, your older album. My older album is going to be from the same band. It's, it's, it's Bloodbath from Sweden. Their, their first full-length, Resurrection Through Carnage. Ooh, that's the first time somebody did that on the show, Adam. I like that. I like that. Yeah, and this like is a great album. album. Yeah, this is classic mm -hmm. right yeah. here. I love this album. I have. I actually uh, I own this on vinyl, Flex. Yeah, I, that, that's why how I heard it, because you, you made me a tape of the vinyl. Oh shit! Nice. <laughs> I told you we go back. <laughs> it's not nearly as romantic as me and Justin sending emails of each other of MP3s. Yes. Oh man! Yes. Yeah. Have you heard this YouTube link before? 
I got boxes of tapes, man. Forget love letters and all that stuff. I got boxes of tapes that my friends made me in high school, man. It's great, man. Yeah, wow. me and Will, I think the only ones that still tape trade. Besides, yeah. probably a couple other friends that do the same thing. Yeah, no, but th this Bloodbath album is great, man. I love this, man. Just the, I love the artwork. If I'm not mistaken, that's the four members of the band done up like zombies on the album cover, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's and just some... and talking about that buzzsaw guitar sound, like yeah, it's like if, you, if, you turn, yeah. if you turn it up loud enough, that show rip your eardrums out. It really, you yeah. can hear it. We're, it's like we said, we're listening to it in these headphones in the studio here. And it, yeah, it's just like this low end. It sounds like a beetle crawled into your headphone with you or something, man. It's great. Because yeah. I remember I, I, I wasn't too heavy on hearing them. Like, I heard about all oh, Bloodbath. It's got members of Old Path. It's got the dudes from Edge of Sandy. I was like, oh, nice. But when you send me that, <laughs> that's I was not like, wow. For, that's not for Adam Anilberth, bro. <laughs> I was like, this is some, like, real, like, you know, nasty Swedish death metal. I liked it. Yeah, no, this is good, man. It goes back to like that dismember and tombs, you know, classic sound. Yeah, I was, I was impressed. I was highly impressed, actually. Yeah, also knowing that the dude, uh, what's his name, uh, Michael, uh, I forget the dude from from Opeth who's doing the vocals in this uh, is Ackerfield. Ackerfield, yeah, 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 something like that. Yeah, his he's got some nasty pipes on it, man. Like he does all that proggy stuff, mm -hmm. and I'm not really a big fan of the Opeth shit. But man, he sounds like a demon. Like uh, yeah. he's got some real fucking balls on him. Yeah, it was it was really cool to hear that those guys um had the interest to do a project like this and had the, the chops to to pull it off. You know what I mean? That you know obviously they you know they they had it in them. They're talented guys, but that they wanted to take the time and do a project like this. It's great, man. You know you can tell they're maybe a little nostalgic for their youth or something you know the, the, I, I've always loved this band and I've loved that you're kind of seeing guys from those more progressive type of bands come together there's members from Catatonia if I'm not mistaken right there's a lot of different guys in and out of this band yeah. over the years but they're, yeah, they, you know, they, they come come together and do something sick like this it's cool yeah and like, like I said like I'm, I'm not really a fan of the, the albums between the two but like mm -hmm. yeah that that definitely was yeah it definitely was a sick death metal album I was I was like really surprised by that one when I heard it. Wow! So they kind of came came full circle for you now. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Now they're back. You know, I just put on a track and I was like, oh, I wonder what this is going to sound like. And then I heard that I heard that familiar sound. I was like, Oh shit! They might be doing it again. Yeah, I think they are, man. I mean that that sound is back too with a lot of younger bands I and mean, a lot of younger people in the scene. It's you know a lot of people are going back to that now and there's. Bands that, that, that worship Carnage and Dismember and all that older stuff, you know? Yeah, what's funny is bands like Wombath that, like, were dead set against, like, having that sound, even they have that sound now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's the, that, what are they called, the HM2 pedal? That's it, right? Yeah. I actually bought a knockoff of it called the Chainsaw Death Squad. <laughs> I would much rather own something called the Chainsaw Death Squad. Yeah, what's your secret weapon? Uh, nothing much. Just a little chainsaw death squad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping it real. Are you going to be using that on any upcoming releases, Adam? Yeah, Embryo's Project Loosen Toilet. I actually, I did some guitar noise for him. He's going to put drums too, and I actually did four tracks of guitar. With, All right. With, it's, it's, it's like four different tracks where I use a different pedal, and that pedal is one of them. Sick. Love it. Great. So I'm glad, I'm glad Sweden is, is well represented in that wall of noise there, man. Yeah, definitely.
see what Tom's got for us. Oh. All right. So I brought in uh, Mayhem's least appreciated album, which in my opinion is their best one. Chimera, or Chimera, depending on where you live. Depending on who you listen to. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like Demolick, Demolich. Yeah, exactly. It's just one of those. But yeah, this is. I just wanted to bring in the, the least appreciated Mayhem release out there. I'm not altogether very familiar with this album. Mm-hmm. This is their best one, if you were to ask me subjectively. It's got something that stays very black metal, but they get more technical in it. There's mm-hmm. some really weird riffing going on. They're bouncing back and forth between triplets and, and straight notes. Throughout the whole album, there's some, some shit being thrown at you. Maniac, this is the only album that he did with them on vocals. And uh, I, I like his performance best. I don't really like the Attila stuff is, is fun. I like, I like Esoteric Warfare, but I would take this vocalist over Attila any day. Yeah, I, I um, never been. Uh, you know, I've always been more of a death metal guy than a black metal guy. I uh, I own the Mysteries, Dom Satanis, right, which is and, considered and, uh, to be their best release. And I think Attila's performance vocally on that is like it's a little too silly for me. Okay, yeah, it's it's you know it's a little different. And this, I, I gotta actually check this uh, Chimera album out because it's it's interesting. I do hear what you say. It's a little kind of technical. There's something different about it. I'd be interested to give this a try, you know? It's it's not um, maybe what I expected. Adam, did you ever listen to a lot of Mayhem? I didn't listen to that one. I've, I've listened to songs here and there. I mean, I, I do have the... I do have the first full length. I have uh, I have Death Crush. Yeah, that's a little bit more my style, though. Kind of like old-school <clears throat> death metal-influenced um, Mayhem. Yeah, De- Death Crush was definitely the most tied to death metal in some respects, but a lot of the stuff... Like guitar work wise, I, I can see the influence from probably probably some more technical shit that was happening in the 2000s. Like this came out in 2004. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I kind of hear some of the guitar work is closer to some shit that was happening in death metal at the time. Almost almost like a like diving into what Deicide was doing and shit like that. And I don't know. That's just kind of how I feel. I mean. Blasphemer, the guitar player. I don't know what's running through the guy's head, but I love the riffs, you know. Yeah, no, cool stuff, man. I, I always love when black metal bands go a little tech death, you know. Sometimes I like the slap. Yeah, I, I definitely want to check that album out. I haven't heard it. I'm definitely gonna check it out. See how see how it sounds. Yeah, me awesome. Too, yeah, please do, man. Tom, I have a classic album. Okay. Uh, it's also from 2004. Uh, this is the Red Chord fused together in revolving doors. Oh shit! Okay. Now this is something I, I know. Good album. Crazy band, man. They, when these guys popped up, man, they they, they kind of took people by uh, surprise. Yeah, this is uh this is this is in my top ten of all time uh, records. 2004, like I said, um, mm. I forget which label it came out with. A, a sm- came out on a, it was a pretty small label, and then um, Guy, the singer, had uh, Black Market Activities. He was running. They they re-released this on that. Um, 
This to me is is your perfect blend of hardcore grind and death metal, um, and this it, this could you know you could you could call this it's kind of a bad word now but like deathcore right this is like kind of what to me at least what really started that and then it kind of got bastardized as as technology got better and, and kids started playing it and as as it went on it kind of you know picked up this different like this different definition but um, yeah there is th- this. I mean, Gunface, the guitar player, like to to show up on like the scene musically with the creativity, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. uh, the the compositional fucking advancedness of of this record. Yeah, I hadn't heard anything like it, and uh, and each song is like is completely separate. You know, it takes you on a separate journey. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a little like kind of Sabbathy type break in the middle with the song "Breathe the Cancer," like very uh, Planet Caravan like esque, and uh, and they end it with um. With this like almost like hardcore anthem and dreaming in dog ears, you know this big like pile up sing along and uh, and this song we're listening to right now, this is um, this nihilist, right? So yeah, it's fucking hulking the entire time. It's it's really interesting stuff, and it's a shame that it would get lumped in with um like what people would kind of like insultingly call deathcore or something sure, like yeah. that because it's not like that. And when you say two thousand four. There were a lot. There were there were not a lot, but there were a few bands like this. This was when like that term deathcore, metalcore, whatever you want to call that stuff. It was a lot more of a wild west. Yeah. Uh, for that type of stuff, man. I remember like there was these guys. There was um, Circle of Dead Children was predates this stuff a little bit, but yeah, for sure. They you know they came through. There was um, yeah, Tony the, Tony Danza was floating around around this time. Yeah, like, yeah, early Tony uh, Danza, early uh, between the buried and me. Uh, yes, that was them, going on. Right, number twelve they, looks like you yeah, yeah. from yeah. New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Psyopus. Yeah, yeah great. A band. lot of people forget about them. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking of 2004 and all these kind of names are coming to me. When I was in that band Biolich. Uh, we were in, we were into a lot of those bands, and we performed like our shows with a lot of those bands uh, that were kind of like nowadays. You say deathcore and metalcore, and it means something different. Like back then, it kind of meant bands that were maybe influenced by like Dillinger and Pig Destroyer, yep. and mm-hmm. had a, a little bit of a knowledge of like death metal and hardcore, and we're you know we're mixing it all up. And yeah, nowadays nowadays when you say deathcore, it almost like to me it means like oh they're trying to make money. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, there's uh, breakdowns and blast yeah. beats and like pig squeal, you know, kind of vocals. Yeah, and stuff like and stuff. it has a bad connotation to yeah, it. Yeah, but but this, I mean, this is like this is super organic sounding. It was very natural sounding. Um, yeah, it, uh, I feel like uh, the, the Red Chord a lot. Uh, another band that kind of like rode with them a little bit was uh, this band Animosity. You know, same sort of uh, like yeah, more that of a more of a more of a death metal like hardcore kind of vibe. But that was, the, I hear. Influence from like malignancy, sure, yeah, in animosity, mm. and they do it really well. Though Absolutely. it's not like a ripoff. It's like this is these are younger dudes who are trying to do really extreme shit with crazy tempo changes, mm-hmm. and just up in the musicianship constantly. And it's cool shit. And and that was a West Coast band, like so. Like the Red Chord is Boston based. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, there is almost a distinguishment there because a lot of West Coast bands pushed it in like that direction with these like crazy rhythms and shit mm-hmm. and I feel like some of the East Coast bands were doing more like grindier sounding shit maybe yeah. maybe straightforward maybe technical but not like not jumping down every note and like trying to syncopate everything so they get the pit going you know here on the East Coast exactly, exactly. Yeah, there's yeah. that East Coast yeah. hardcore vibe to it for sure yeah especially, especially coming from Boston yeah, yeah. come on Wow, man, yeah, gotta revisit this band, the Red Chord, man. That definitely, uh, Adam, you familiar with these guys, man? Yeah, I definitely know that name. I'm not sure if I heard them, but that's definitely a name I, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, man. One, one rumor I heard about the uh, the origin of the name was, uh, you know, how you have uh, the brown note 
right? The uh, okay. theoretical brown note, one note on a musical instrument you can hit to make you shit your pants. Yeah, I've heard yeah. of that, yeah. So yeah. the theoretical red chord is that one chord you play on guitar that can make a woman instantly get her period. <laughs> oh, that's good. There you go. So, yeah, I just heard that on the street somewhere, and I, <laughs> I like to say it's the truth. I like to say I believe, I, I believe that. I'll believe it. I'll sign up for that truth. Well, also, crazy story about this album title, too, is uh, it's... Uh, it got its name from uh, this fire in in a factory, I believe, in in Boston in the in the 40s, mm-hmm. and. Um and legend has it, when people were trying to escape this this burning building, uh, there was a revolving door in the front, and the the influx of humanity into this revolving door, like it, it had gotten stuck, and people were getting trampled on. And uh, when when you know the, the fire was put out, they they found bodies stuck inside that door, like all melted together and stuff. Wow. So. Uh, wow. Pretty brutal. Yeah. They, I, I, I think we just picked Adam's interest with this album now, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's very crazy. interesting. Listen wow. to Dreaming of Dog Ears and uh, and jump on your couch if you're sitting on your couch. Or <laughs> jump out of your car if you're driving and <laughs> listen to it. Episode Adam's gonna get a laugh out of this one immediately because he he knows this is probably one of the most disturbing, especially for death metal because they weren't even a grindcore or gore grind band per se. They're more of a death metal band. One of the most disturbing album covers of all time, Disgorge from Mexico, as opposed to Disgorge from other places. There's a few bands named Disgorge with their 2000 album Forensic. Remember that Adam? Forensic, yep, I have it. Oh boy, yeah, a lot of people. Turn, you, Tom and uh, Justin are, are in the room. Brace yourselves, guys. I don't know if you want to. There might be a censored version that pops up. I definitely at home. I take the CD uh, booklet and reverse it and put it back in the case because it's bad. Oh. Yeah, it's a bad one. Oh no. Yeah, June seventh, two thousand. Repulse Records unleashed that upon the world. Jesus Christ, Mexico. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah, it's the land of the land of no censorship. Yeah, Adam, isn't there a culture down there where there's uh, like a, a subculture of like magazines who have just gore that people are into? Yeah, that's right at the newsstand. You can buy it. I have Eric sent me like a bunch of issues of it. It's a it's a, a magazine called Alarma. 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 Yeah, and there's like flea markets for gore grind down there and stuff. Like it's really big. Yeah, they have, it, it's called El Chopo. El Chopo. They have one day where it's all just like. Death metal and gore grind albums, what you know, tapes, CDs, and then they have day two is like all like underground movies and shit. I've been wanting to go to that for the longest time. I I would like to go to that too, man. I mean that sounds crazy, and um, it seems like Disgorge uh, Mexico with this album Forensic in 2000 just kind of nailed that culture with songs like Spasmo Obliterate Filtrate Scabs and Jaundice of Hookworm. Love that. Uh, love that jaundice. Jaundice. Yeah, I, I love this album. It's hard, it's hard to look at the cover. 
Um, but what's you know, going on in this cover? Is this a? It looks is this like the process of birth. Uh, it looks more like the process of dying while being born or something. I don't know if that baby's gonna make it, man. No, this is some kind of sacrifice killing, man. This is some cartel shit. This is a. This uh, is. Yeah. This is someone killing a mom and reaching inside, taking out the fetus and shooting it in the head. It's not the the human recreation of Alien, like super low budget, wow. like Alien. No, no, it's not. It's not the new Alien with. Uh, you know, I think Tom might have just uh, nailed it. Live action alien. No, no. Yeah. This, this this is cartel killing. Adam, Adam, what do you think about that uh, summary? It's possible. I mean, a lot of like Alama's stuff is like all cartel killings. Jesus. And now keep in mind, this is from 2000, so this isn't even um, recent. Well. Speaking about, it's hard not to talk about anything but the album cover. But, uh, you know, just for people who are interested in death metal, Discord is a great band. Um, they they kind of pioneered, for me, being like a death metal band, but being totally to that, like, shock value gore grind point. The music was filthy. The guitars were noisy. This album just had, this album was almost, um, I remembered it coming out on Necropolis Records. Do you remember that, Adam? I think I'm wrong, though. No, it did. It, it did, it, right? It, Encyclopedia Metallum does not have this listed as uh, coming out on Necropolis Records. Get your shit straight, it, boys. It, it came out on there because they had a sub-label going called Death Vomit, I think. Okay, thank you, Adam, for clearing that one up. I appreciate it. I knew you'd remember. So, yeah, so this did come out on Necropolis Records, uh, sub-label Death Vomit Records. And Necropolis, for, for, if I don't know if you guys remember that, that was a big black metal label in the 90s, and it was kind of exclusively on that black metal tip. And in the 90s, death metal and black metal were a lot more separate. They didn't really mix the peanut butter and the chocolate as much as they do now. So, yeah, which, was the, which was the chocolate? Uh, <laughs> for me, death metal. So regardless, point, point being, for Necropolis to take an interest in Disgorge and put out Forensic, I, I think it just spoke to how like nihilistic... And, and fatalistic and, and like anti-society this was because not only the cover art but listen to the music it's almost got that black metal production value from the 90s where it sounds like it was recorded in a tin can you know it's just it's a little sloppy it's a little messy and they, they're just running through the songs at top speed man it's it's wild shit man it's really yep. it, it predates it. yeah it, and it, it, in my opinion it kind of predates a lot of like what people call, call uh, war metal now like revenge and those type of bands if you're familiar with them Oh yeah, definitely. And they spelled forensic the right way, F O R E N, sick, sick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, as Mortal Decay had a forensic <laughs> album that was spelled uh, the, the clinical way, but this is the yeah, this is the approved. That's a really sick good way album, to spell by the forensic. Way. Yeah, man. So, yeah. So this there cool, it is, guys. This sounds a little bit. All right. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry I had to show you guys. The, oh, well, I warned you before you punched it up, man. But it's this, appropriate. It all is appropriate. Yeah. Discord's Mexico forensic from uh, 2000 on um, Necropolis's uh, uh, records uh, sublabel Death Vomit Records. One of the I think it was the second to last album with Antimo on it too. Do you remember that album? I think yeah. They, they did a, at least one more album with him, and then they got the. I think they got one of the guitars to do vocals after that, right? Yeah, actually, you're right, because uh, cause this this is Forensic, and the next album was Necrolocaust. So another, like, wordplay thing for the, the next yeah. album, and that was the last time you saw uh, their iconic bass player slash vocalist, Antimo. And because uh, uh, he left the band, and then they they, they got replacements, or, or somebody else took over. And and another thing, just quick while we're, while we're talking about Discord Mexico, before we wrap it up, you really got to look up their live videos 
from when the guy Antimo was in the band because they would go the full nine with the spikes and the meat hooks with, yeah. with, with uh, body parts on them and the blood and I mean wild shit man you look back at some of these videos of them playing live in the early days it was crazy they might still do that stuff but the guy Antimo was um, a, a, real, a real showman man the guy looked like a, like a demonic butcher or something up on stage uh, they, were, they were a total package back in the 90s yeah definitely so, um, so with that being said, Adam, uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna uh, let you let you off the hook, man. We really appreciate you joining us tonight and shedding some light on not only your opinions on um, gore and how gore relates to this type of music, but on uh, different types of uh, music and scenes coming up that we didn't even know about, man. Thanks a lot for joining us. Yes, thank you, sir. Thanks, oh, no buddy. problem. It was it was definitely a good time. I, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, we'd, we'd like to get you back eventually to do a proper uh, uh, interview episode and uh, talk more about uh, the different projects and things you've been involved with through the years. But for now, we'll let you get some sleep, man, and um, we're going we're gonna to sign off this episode in a few minutes, man. So thanks a lot, Adam, man. We'll talk to you soon, brother. All right, thanks, Will. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, man. Take it easy. Peace, brother. Thanks for tuning in to the Heavy Hole. Uh, you can find us at Heavy Hole Pod on Twitter. You can also find me, Tom, at Saunched, S-A-U-N-T-C-H-T. And you can look for me on uh, Facebook. I'm Death Metal Will. You can look for my band's Artificial Brain Afterbirth, Buckshot Facelift. You can do what you want, man, you know? Plug your stuff, Justin. I'll plug the stuff. Yeah, it's true. You can find me on Instagram at flat underscore eyeballs. You could also find some riffs on Instagram at the dangerous thing. I love it. It's so good. I hope you do. I hope you don't. It's great artwork. (laughs) Do it or don't. It's death metal influenced, clean cut, modern artwork. But also, concerning Heavy Hole, we're working on a website and we're going to get. We're going to be uploading the RSS feed there and then also all the albums that we talk about will be with each post. So we're going to be on Instagram with the young people and everything. We're going to do it big with this. Don't worry about it. Right? It's going to be good. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. Do it or don't. I like that. And listen to the podcast. Do it or don't. You know yeah. what I mean? You can, hear, you can hear it or you don't have to. Dead babies on the album cover. Like it or lump it, you know? Thank you. <laughs> Peace, everybody. Peace.